Well, last Wednesday was Inauguration Day, and according to the online edition of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the word inauguration was used from the very beginning of our nation with reference to installing a person as President of the United States. I have shared with you, with this congregation some years before, some research I did into the word inaugurate, and I, I liked it so much, I don't know if y'all did, but I thought I'd share it again. Uh, but the word inaugurate, I, you know, some years ago I wondered, well, what does it mean to inaugur something? You know, what does it mean to inaugur a thing? So I did a little re research into the word inauguration, and I discovered that the word inaugurate is related to the word augur, and that augurs were people. They were people of, the ancient, of ancient times who practiced what was known as taking the auspices. This taking of the auspices occurred before beginning some important action like crowning a new king, installing priests to their offices, or beginning some big public works project. And so the augur would go outside and study, of all things, the flight of birds. And the augur would look at whether the birds were flying in groups or alone, what noises they made, which direction they were going, what kinds of birds they were. So they were taking the auspices, and that is where we get our word auspicious. The augurs were trying to discern whether it was an auspicious time or an inauspicious time for the big undertaking, meaning whether the conditions were favorable to success or not favorable to success. Now in the Gospel according to Mark, it says that after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee and proclaimed the good news of God, saying, the time is fulfilled. The age of salvation has come. Repent and believe in the good news. The time was fulfilled. The kingdom of God had arrived. The kingdom of God had come near. So it was the opportune time. It was an auspicious time to repent and believe in the good news. This was the time. The time appointed by God. The preparation had been completed. You know, remember all the things leading up to this moment. When Jesus says the time is fulfilled, think of what came before. In the Gospel according to Mark, he begins with the words of the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare, prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then John appeared. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus himself went out to be baptized by John. He saw the heavens torn apart, the spirit of of God descend on him like a dove and a voice told him that you are my son. And then the spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness where he was with the wild beasts and was tempted by Satan. So Isaiah provides the background information setting John and Jesus in the context of God's promises to the people of Israel in the past. Jesus' imminent arrival is announced by John and Jesus is prepared for his moment, for this moment, by is baptism and temptation. So yes, the time is fulfilled. It is an auspicious time to repent and believe in the good news because the preparatory work had been completed. And what is this good news of which Jesus speaks, of what he proclaims? In this case, Jesus doesn't show up proclaiming something about himself. The Gospel according to Mark is the good news of Jesus Christ, but here in the Gospel, Jesus points beyond himself to what God is doing. The kingdom of God had come near, and the kingdom of God is simply God's activity of, of ruling or reigning over God's people and over all creation. 
That's what God was doing then. That is what God is doing now. And we will learn from the Gospel according to Mark that Jesus never describes the kingdom directly. He he always uses a simile. The kingdom of God is always like or as something. The simile is usually embedded or included in a parable. Later in chapter 4 of the Gospel according to Mark, Jesus will say, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and the seed would sprout and grow and when the grain is ripe at once he goes out with his sickle because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a small seed that when it is planted and grows puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make its nest in its shade. That is what the kingdom of God is like. It is like something that grows. It is like something that happens. It is, it is something to which we respond to. In chapter 4, Jesus says, For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Let anyone with ears hear and listen. So as the time is fulfilled, the kingdom cannot be hidden. It must be revealed. It must come to light. It must be announced to others. But is anyone listening? Apparently, yes. For when Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers casting a net into the sea. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately, Mark says, they left their nets and followed him. And then Jesus went a little farther, and he saw two other brothers who were mending their nets. And he said to them, follow me. And they did. And the space between Jesus' call and their response is zero. Jesus calls, they follow. Follow is Mark's preferred word for what it means to be a disciple. A disciple follows Jesus. So the response to the nearness of the kingdom is to follow Jesus, to repent and believe the good news. Follow Jesus. To, To believe here means to trust, to make a commitment. And the disciples illustrate that. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And that's what they do. Both sets of brothers, Simon and our own Andrew, James and John, turn from the work they were doing of fishing for fish, and Jesus will make them fish for people. The response is immediate, and the response is total. So these five verses show that Jesus makes a claim on us. Jesus makes a claim on them today. Jesus makes a claim on us. For the time is fulfilled. He makes a claim on us, and then he remakes us when we put our faith in him. We are made disciples. We are formed into community. Avery Cardinal Dulles, a now deceased cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church, an eminent theologian, in his book on, on models of the church, he says, one of the ways of understanding what the church is, is as a community of disciples. Cardinal Dulles says, The community of disciples, with its exceptional lifestyle, was intended to attract attention, like a city upon a mountaintop or a lantern lantern in a dark place. The community of disciples had a mission to remind the rest of the people of the transcendent value of the kingdom of God, to which the disciples bore witness. It was therefore important to adopt a manner of life that would make no sense apart from their intense personal faith in God's providence and his fidelity to his promises. Jesus appears and begins his ministry in light of the words of the prophet Isaiah 
prepare the way of the Lord. And what began when Isaiah first uttered those words carried forward into that moment when Jesus declared the time was fulfilled. What began in those past events has continued on into our present. And God is still faithful to God's promises. The kingdom of God continues to draw near. Jesus continues to call us to repent and believe in the good news. It is an auspicious time for us to hear and respond with faith and to respond with commitment. For there is nothing hidden except to be disclosed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Like Simon and Andrew and James and John, may we hear, turn, and follow. And let Jesus form us into a community of disciples and make us into a people of God's kingdom. Amen.